Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. And I pray today that light and understanding will come into our hearts in Jesus' mighty name. Now, most times when you speak to believers about studying the Bible or when we talk about studying the scriptures, one of the things we find out is that you know, there's a way you start explaining scriptures and then you hear people say, well, I'm not a pastor. And the idea is that pastors are supposed to know so much about scriptures and you are supposed to know about the stock market. Uh, and it, it, it is quite embarrassing that we have almost made it a way of life. You, you understand that? Now, one of the things that is a thing of shame to the charismatics is that very few charismatic people can stand against Jehovah's Witnesses. Because many people do not know why they believe what they believe. Praise God. Uh, we started teaching on overcoming the devil last two Sundays. How many of you have been in church? And then, uh, someone gave me a feedback. Uh, the, somebody gave a feedback about the message. And the feedback has its own feedback. But then, I discovered that part of it was emotional. And it's emotional this because if I come right now and I tell you that what you've believed over the years is not the truth, your first reaction will not be to accept. <clears throat> Are you following this? For instance, if, you had, if your child is adopted... After 35 years or 40 years or 50 years or 20 years, you now come and say, I'm not your real father. The, the, the child will now say, you are lying. And you're the only one that really knows who the real father is. Do you understand? Because the, the child has lived that he cannot fathom another reality. That is why I had to explain the John 10, 10 again. Because I realized some people hearing the message for the first time, and I say John 10, 10 is not the devil, they just closed church service. They didn't listen again. So I had to explain it. And how many of you the second Sunday understood it better? That's what scripture is. Scripture is about us understanding it what? Better. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, uh, I'm going to take this mandate very serious because the Lord has uh, given me an instruction specifically for this year to train us theologically. So what that means is that we're going to be having more expository teachings as opposed to application teachings. What that means is uh, we're going to be having more subjects that look I don't like people using the word deep. It's not deep. It's just subjects that people don't pay attention to. Or words that people don't pay attention to. Praise the name of the Lord. And so one of the ways to benefit from this year is just have a note, one note that you can write, approach it like a school. That's, you know, <laughs> one of my staff told me the other day that the things you want to say are very simple, but you say them with a lot of words. I try to avoid misunderstanding. What I'm just saying is that this year is going to be a serious year with the Bible. So have that approach. Have a note 
write, learn, go back, revise them. Let me, let's start from Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And I want us to read something. This is just foundation. I hope we can. I really want us to finish today. Luke 24, part 1. And um, go to verse 44. Luke chapter 24. Go to verse 44. Four years ago, I taught a message called the road to Emmaus. I'm going to reteach it again. I don't know if we have the message available. Uh, Luke 24 and verse 44 here. Um, thank you, Lord Jesus. You, you know the story on the road to Emmaus. Let's not go there to take our time. Go to verse... Uh, wow. Where can I start from now? But how many of you know the story? The road to Emmaus. The disciples came. They were talking about Jesus. They were talking about Jesus to Jesus. Yeah, that's the story now. Okay. So go to Luke 24. Uh, well. Okay, let's just start reading everything. Verse 13. And behold, two of them were going out very day to the village named Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which are taking place. While they began talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Observe the word eyes. And he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking sorry. One of them named Clopas answered and answered him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And he said to him, The things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, observed the word they used for Jesus, past tense. Who was a prophet. <laughs> Mighty indeed and word in the sight of God and all the people. And how the chief priests and, ruler, and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. Wow, okay. <laughs> and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. Pause there, pause there. The scripture says that if they had known, they would not have crucified the king of glory. Who crucified Jesus? <laughs> it's not a serious question. Who crucified Jesus? Is here now. The answer is here. The chief priests and our rulers were the ones that delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. The very people who crucified Jesus were religious leaders. Praise God. Talk to me. Are you here? Okay. Let's go. But we're hoping that it was he. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all these things, it's the third day such things have happened. Verse 22. But also, some women amongst us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. The women didn't go to the saloon, they went to the tomb. And they saw angels. Okay. 24. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. Our pastor had to say this sometimes, even as women, and, and that's why 
uh, I thank God for my wife and we built our foundation that way. You don't find my wife come here to teach the few times she has to share with us. And everything she's talking about is relationship, how to make your marriage work, how to tie your husband down and all that. Because most times we always feel women should talk about relationship. But the truth of the matter is that the first set of people who ever preached the gospel were women. And unconsciously somehow in church, as women, we also feel we shouldn't study so deep. We all, you, you know, women always have the habit of relying on their husbands for spiritual nourishment. Which is anti-scriptural in the sense of it. Because every child of God ought to grow and mature. Are you following what I'm saying? The women that first preached, first came and declared the word. Was it not necessary for the Christ? Then verse, verse 20, what now? 24. Some of those who were with us went into the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, and he said to them, I'm using the new American Standard Bible, so you could change that so people can follow those who are listening to me, reading that. And he said to them, Oh foolish men, Jesus said to them, Oh foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for Christ to suffer these things and to enter into glory? Then, listen carefully, this is my emphasis, this is not part of our, this is just foundation I'm laying. Then, beginning with Moses. What's it talking about? The law. What's Moses? The Pentateuch, the five first books. Of the Bible. And with all the prophets. He explained to them. The things concerning himself. In how many scriptures? In all the scriptures. That means. The first five books of the Bible. The books of Moses. The law. Was talking about Jesus. It means the prophets. Was talking about Jesus. It means all of scriptures. Are talking about who? Jesus. So for instance, when you, read, when you read about David saying, Oh, my enemies do not rejoice over me. He that sat with me and dipped, his, uh, dipped in the same um, food with me has betrayed me. It is not a prayer point against your destiny killers. It was referring to Judas. Are you, are you following this? So that's the approach. Scriptures, essentially, we're talking about Jesus. Okay, let's read on now. Let's read on. Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all scriptures. And he approached the village where they were going and he acted as though he was going further. But he asked him saying, stay with us for it's getting toward evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight, vanishing Jesus. Verse 32, then they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road? While he was explaining the scriptures to us. What was the scriptures? The law, the prophets. What was happening here? These guys were disciples, but they had no idea of what was happening because the scripture was not explained to them. You can be in church and have no idea what the Bible says. And ultimately, you will quote your papa and your pastor more than what the Bible says. 
celebrating scriptural illiteracy is the bane of the charismatic church. And that's why Jehovah Witnesses don't print flyers, they don't print anything, they don't print handbills, they keep growing. You know why? They engage people by discipleship. Most of you don't, don't like them. Most of you just don't, I don't have time. It's not that you don't have time. You cannot defeat them. Are you following what I'm saying? And you see that even their children are trained that way. Some of us are ashamed to go and witness. If we say, okay, no service, let's all go out into the streets. I don't know what to say, sir. <laughs> sir, what will I say to people? What was said to you that got you born again is what you should say. But you know why a lot of people don't know what to say? They didn't get into the church getting born again. They came to the church to solve problems. Then they just automatically became Christian. You know, it's like you park a bicycle in a car, in a garage for a while. Then after your children start counting that in that garage, they have three, three cars. Two cars and one bicycle. That's how. So, most of, most of us don't even understand how are we saved. No. Because, oh, if you have a problem, God can solve it. If you are barren, God can give you a child. If you are not married, God can give you a husband. If they are pursuing you, God is the rock. Do you want to receive him today? Why would you not receive him? You want rock. And then you just show up. <laughs> and then say after me. Say after me. Say after me. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Say, today I confess my sins. Today I confess. Now you are born again. A lot of people have asked me why I don't do altar calls regularly. I do altar calls. When you study the scriptures, people who responded to altar call heard the message and asked, what shall we do that we might be saved? You know what? <laughs> We've had people come in here who come to the office and get born again after Sunday service, hearing the scriptures. There's nothing wrong with giving people an opportunity. Are you following? I'm just trying to tell you that it is the systematic explanation of scriptures that a man sees the need for salvation, then he comes to you and says, what can I do that I will be saved? I can come here and say, this is your last chance. This is your last chance. This is your last chance. As you are going now, if a car hits you, where will you end up? You will you not come forward? <laughs> you just say, ah, no, I cannot die like that. <laughs> Let me just quickly case. You know? So, so I'm, <laughs> I'm going somewhere. So most of us, even this thing called salvation, we don't know it. The scripture says how great a salvation. We have no idea. And our concept of salvation is so we can make heaven. Very wrong. Very wrong. Because if for some of us they remove heaven and hell, we will see no reason to serve God. Like, ah, there's no heaven again. Ah, thank God. Ah, thank God. That's why I like this preacher. Thank God. Well, I didn't say that. Are, are you following what I'm saying? Because the requirement and the need for salvation, the depravity of the human soul that cries out for salvation is not what we actually put first. So what most people are trained to do is to talk about the miracles that happen in their church. If you come to my church, this is your case. It's a small case. So we just pack people with cases. And that's why you discover that after a while, when certain believers have trials, they can't stand. Because their salvation is dependent on the response of God to meet their needs. So they are addicted to miracles, addicted to science. Add- there must be a sugar rush of something. That's why they are never satisfied. Because it is one breakthrough after the other that makes them feel that God is on their side. Are we still talking here tonight? 
But when you know God like Job, you'll be able to say, even though he slays me, yet will I trust him. For I know my Redeemer lives. He wasn't a sticker he bought in church. It was a walk he had with God. Most of all, if things are stripped from us, we'll not serve God anymore. Are you here? No, 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 we're not. Why? Because the condition of coming to church was based on those things. Well, let's, let's, let's go on. So then their eyes were open, and they recognized them, and they vanished from their sight. Then they said to one another, We're not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road. While he was explaining the scriptures to us. And he got up that very hour, returned to Jerusalem, found and gathered together the eleven and those that were with them, saying, The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how it was recognized to them by the breaking of bread. Now, let me explain something to you here. You realize that these guys, they said Jesus should stay with them because it was night and they were tired. But when they got the revelation of God's word, they had energy and that same night, they ran back to Jerusalem. You know the reason a lot of people can't witness? That thing has not become a revelation to you. When it becomes a revelation in your spirit... You won't need to join an evangelism department. It will become your lifestyle. That is why you observe that people who are genuinely born again, the first few weeks of their conversion, they probably won more souls to Christ than when they were older. Because you know what happened? They had that joy. I want people to find Christ. I want people to find. Then the more they stayed in church, the more they started teaching them about their problem. So you cannot be like this at the same level next year. It's time for next level. It's time for next level. It's time for next level. Where we are climbing to, I have no idea. And then you know what nah, I mean? We laugh about these things. But you know what happens? The joy of your salvation is rubbed off you from church. And then you start comparing. Ah, you have not gotten that breakthrough. What now happens? You now start focusing on yourself. What now happens? You don't even know what to share anymore. Then you now start hearing messages like, don't even want to go there. That when you win souls, it's a crown for you. Let's think. Let's just think. How many crowns will Billy Graham wear? Just think. Eh? Okay, stars on the crown. Okay, so how many stars will be in Billy Graham's crown? <laughs> what? Say, so use this crown first, part one of 22a. <laughs> Paul says, You are the fruit of my apostleship. And then, I'm not even going into that, but what happens? That becomes our motivation for winning souls. Not that we want people to come to Christ, but we want to collect crown. Selfishness again. We want stars, sorry. I don't listen to those things, so I don't know what it is. We want more stars. So, so, so winning now becomes a competition. Or they say, he that wins so, God will do something for him. You are not winning so because you want the man born again. You just want God to die. Will you accept him? Yeah, accept, accept, so God can do something. <laughs> My friend accept. So, I, I, do you understand what I'm saying? There should be a motivation. Do you realize Jesus did not tell these people, go and share the good news? Nothing. But they, they got the revelation that Jesus had risen. And they ran back to Jerusalem. Look at this. While they were telling these things, 
He himself stood in their midst. Said to them, peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened. And thought that they were seeing his spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet. That is, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For his spirit does not have flesh and bones. As you see that I have. So the immortal body of resurrection is flesh and bones. But not flesh and blood. So that life is not sustained by what you eat. It's sustained by the life of God. So that's the state of immortality. The state of immortality is when you have flesh and bones without blood. That's the resurrected life. So Jesus had flesh and bones, but there was no blood. So he needed, he didn't need to. That's why he could walk through walls and go through that. So the blood in us is the limitation of the human life. That's why when you eat and all of those things, you, you still have diseases and all that going on through you. But the resurrected life, Jesus was emphatic about it, said it is flesh and bones. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they, while they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of boiled fish and he took it and ate before them. Now, why did Jesus do that? To show them, you know, so that they can receive them. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Now, it doesn't mean that you cannot eat. This doesn't sustain you. Now, he said to them, These are my words. Pay attention to verse 44. These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all things which are written about me. Look at it again. Remember verse 27. Beginning with Moses and with all the prophets. He explains to them the things concerning himself in scriptures. He's repeating it here again. That all the things that are written about me in the law of Moses. And the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So in the law of Moses. In the prophets and in the Psalms. We see that it was concerning Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on I said praise the name of the Lord. Every church. Should be a mini Bible school. Like you go to church and you learn. You really learn. That's how the services are designed. That's how the services should be designed. Not just learning things that will make your life progressive. is learning about Jesus. That's where I'm going. Learning the things about Christ. Increasing in the knowledge of God. For instance, very simple. You know, I ask people this. How many believers can distinguish between justification, sanctification, redemption? What is the difference between these words? Predestination. What does predestination mean? What does redemption mean? What does sanctification mean? Praise God. Have a conference. The title of the conference is uh, maybe one of these words. He checked the attendance. I, I don't want predestination. I just want to hammer. If you have hammer, you have been predestined. <laughs> but you know, the, the, beauty, the beauty about the gospel is that whether you're wealthy or not, it cuts across every man. Because every man is a sinner who needs a savior. So you see, the rich come to Jesus for salvation. The poor comes to him for salvation. Are you following what I'm saying? It, the gospel equalizes everyone. Glory to the name of the Lord. So, verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. 
So it means that these people did not understand the scriptures. Listen to me. These were guys that spent three and a half years with Jesus. They are the best pastor in the world. Yet they did not understand scriptures. No clue what the scriptures meant. That's why understanding scriptures is a painstaking requirement. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. And he said to them, Thus it is written that Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Can you see that? That's the gospel right there. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. The greatest gift God can give to us is the forgiveness of our sins. That's the greatest gift. And that is what needs to be proclaimed, that our sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. <laughs> and you're witnesses of these things. You know, it's like if you're in a church service. And you, and you say, you, for instance, you're preaching. And you say, you know what? God has redeemed us. And our sins are forgiven. He will just look at you. Hmm, it's true. Huh? In that same church service. Just say, you know what? The Lord came so that I will not be poor. And He has made us prosperous. What are you going to say? Amen. I receive it. <laughs> Why? Because our consciousness is that's our problem. But the greater emphasis of the Christian faith is the fact that in no other religion can you find a clear assurance on the forgiveness of sins like you find in Christianity. No other God could promise that. Buddha could not promise that. Muhammad could not promise that. Hare Krishna could not promise that. New Age religion could not promise that. Every other religion will tell you what to do so you can get your sins forgiven. Only the Christian faith talks to you about what to believe or who to believe so your sins can be forgiven. In other religions, you have to do something. But in the Christian faith, we believe in a man that took our sins and will become righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's the difference between the Christian faith. Nothing. Not in prosperity. They are, they are saying more Muslims that will be wealthier than us. Not even in longevity. They are Indian priests that are living longer than some believers. They, those things are not the things that actually distinguish the Christian faith. The one thing that distinguishes the Christian faith is the repentance and the forgiveness of sins by the man Jesus. There is no faith that has that assurance. There's no faith where the founder spoke with much words of assurance and courage like Jesus. No one talked like him. Not even Mohammed. One of the things I, I want to do, maybe after this series, is the difference between Christian and Islam. Some, because I'm beginning to see Christians saying we are serving the same God. We're not, I beg you, in the name of Jesus Christ and His 12 disciples, we are not serving the same God. Salvation comes only through Jesus. So I'm even hearing preachers go political now and say we are serving the same God. All God wants on earth is peace. No, all God wants on earth is not peace. All God wants on earth is salvation. He wants men saved. Sometimes that salvation can bring peace. Sometimes people die in the midst of getting that salvation. You see, let's not always 
Well, this is taking me away from what I'm teaching tonight, but let's go ahead. The church is God's own already, so let's just tell us what to do. But listen, let's not always assume comfort with God's will. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And when there's peace, when there's no trouble, it means God uses us. Jonah had peace in the belly of the whale. You know, it was God that told the whale to vomit Jonah. It means that it was not a trouble. Jonah was there. It was like, it, 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 come on, come on now, come on. I've even heard people teach that, but I don't want to go there. About how to determine God's will. <laughs> and what they do is just take one scripture and lift it and use it as a criteria for determining God's will. They are sending instructions God will give to you to not give you peace. Imagine God commissioning Paul to go and preach and say, you will suffer many things for my sake. They will put you in prison. You will be macheted. What kind of peace can you get from that instruction? Say, you will be killed. <laughs> but if Jonah did not have peace in the belly of the way, how did he pray? He man prayed. He was one day, he prayed, Christ unto God. God now instructed the fish. So the fish was not even bothered. He was just going to his house. Anytime you are ready to take your goods, let me know. He <laughs> just had that interaction. What am I trying to say? Comfort is not God's will. God's will is God's will. Whether there is comfort, there is no comfort. When God asked us to move here, it was not comfortable. Never been in River State. Never came to River State for anything. Born the Delta boy. Lived all my life in Delta. Went to school there. And I love the place. You know, there are some people who say, I've grown up in this place. I went to school in this place. How did somebody die here? I didn't mind growing up, living and dying there. It was cool for me. I like staying in worry. It was okay for me. And God asked us to come here. It wasn't comfortable. We had to shut down our business. We had to shut down stuff. We had to move from people we know. We had to come to a place where we didn't, in, in quote, we had to learn the culture, live amongst the people, associate with the people. The first couple of years was difficult because we're coming from a different orientation. Are you feeling what I'm saying? It wasn't comfortable, but it's the will of God. Are you, are you getting what I'm trying to say? So we must understand scriptures in the way that scriptures should be understood. And how is that? By the explanation of scriptures. And I want you to, I want you to really follow this. Because I really, really want to take my time this year not to rush things so we can get it. Scripture is not just to be preached. It is to be explained. What we have most times is preaching of scriptures. So we are preached that, we are proclaimed that, but it is not what? Explained. The explanation of scriptures is key to the breathing of our conviction. Because times are getting tougher for Christians. The lines are getting thinner. It's more like what is comfortable. I never thought we'll come to a day and an age where church will be debating if, if God is okay with being gay or homosexual. Or we'll have homosexual pastors and leaders. And, you know, these things are not shocking until, you know, when you read them from the news, I just be hey, mad people, until you experience it. Selling my wife, last time I went to the U.S., a few weeks here, my friend came from, uh, my friend who was a past Bible teacher, came to see me, so he was driving me around. So we checked into a hotel. <laughs> you know, in Africa here, it's not a big deal, it's my brother. So, we got to the hotel, I filled my phone, so I was going up. He said, oh, why don't you wait for your partner? Ah, Ah, hey. <laughs> that's why it now dawned on us. Ah, so we have to, we have to go and say, you know, you know, we are from Africa. He's my brother. You know, but to them it's just natural. 
It's a life. It's almost like a normal life. They didn't even. So, so this is my point. If you are back here, that will not be your first thought. But right there, that's the first thought. So I just told you, I say, next time we are doing any of these things, you will have your room, and we have my room. So they won't count us among them. Do you understand what I'm saying? But it showed where the human race have come to. And you know Paul wrote about this in the book of Romans chapter 1. That men will leave the natural use of women and be turned into affection to their, own, to their own self. Paul wrote about it thousands of years ago. And in 2020, it becomes a reality. The Bible is never outdated. It's the wisdom of God. There is no evil in this world you will see that the scripture will not appoint it to. Because it is the same human nature. If you stay with scriptures, you'll be wise. And unfortunately, we're having churches at the forefront of this. It was in the U.S. We sent an invitation card of a church pastored by homosexuals. You see, first, first pastor and first gentleman. You have first lady, pastor and first lady now. So you have pastor and first gentleman. You know, here we are sitting. Hey, Jesus. Hey. You know what happens? I don't know where I'm going here tonight, but I believe this is what the Spirit of God is leading me to just say. You know what happens? Let me tell you what happened. How many films are you seeing right now that are having homosexual characters? Raise your hands. How many films? Almost all. You know what they are doing to you? Not to you. To people outside here. You know what they are doing to them? They are telling you it's normal. Ten years. God forbid. A kids will grow up thinking that that's normal life. That's how Satan works. Overcoming Satan. Deception. Cartoon characters now have homosexuals in them. Educational curriculum now have homosexuals in them. So you know what they are doing? You know, Satan is very patient. It's believers that are in a hurry. He doesn't want to blow in one year. He can take 30 years to destroy generation. You, are you hearing what I'm saying? So when we sometimes say restrict the movies you watch, it's not that we are against films. We're, we are trying to tell you that's where Satan is coming from. How many of you remember... Right. Well, I'll just follow the Holy Spirit and speak on these things that we can start teaching on Wednesday from what I was supposed to teach on. How many of you remember many years ago, there were few cheating episodes in movies? You hardly found it. Talk to me now. Or you were not alive many years ago. <laughs> How many of you know it was, it was rare? How many of you know that now it is the dominant conversation? What does that tell us about homosexuality? They will push it until it becomes a dominant conversation. And the principle of creation is the same. What you see, what you think, becomes normalized. So they deaden your conscience. And then they will raise activists. Like Broboski. Or Broboski. What's his name? What's her name? What's she, what's she name? Because she's a she or a him. <laughs> Whatever his name is, or her name, or she's name is. Do you understand? Then you know what happened? They raise that kind of person. And poor, now the letters that are going to come into our ministry office after this thing is broadcasted, I can tell you, the letters are pouring. Keep them coming. <laughs> They're going to raise such a person. And then on Instagram, What's he going to portray? Party in Dubai. 60 million champagne. Blowing the swag. 
and you, that is the idol that drove you to church. What will not start happening? Even homosexual habits, what is there? What's happening? Your conscience. Your conscience. They will do everything to deaden your conscience. To deaden your conscience. Then after a while, you just say, ah, is their choice. And then it becomes normal. And then you have superpowers. That's why sometimes, I'm sorry to say, but I need to say this. That's why sometimes I don't respect the Western world as much as I don't. I really don't. Bless God for their lives. Thank God for their lives. But there are some of our greatest problems. <laughs> in fact, a section in the office was looking to a diary and saw the map of Africa and said, Oh, this is the continent that Pastor loves. And he made me glad. I was glad she didn't point to Europe. I was glad she didn't point to US. And then the Western power will stand up and say, If you don't accept homosexuality, we will restrain AIDS, foreign AIDS, from getting to you. So they use economic power to make us bow. And that's why you now find out that people who now become homosexuals and lesbians and all of those gay rights movements, they now become richer, patronized by politicians. And you, you will now be asking, what is the need for righteousness? Because unconsciously we have built our idol that righteousness will make us rich. Are are you understanding how this thing is working? Maybe God wants to save someone here tonight from that lifestyle. Maybe just that's why God wants me to go in this direction. That there's freedom in Christ for us. So when a man comes and says, that's how I was born, we tell him, don't worry, we will burn you again. We, don't, we are not arguing with you, but we have a rebirth process. Are you following what I'm saying? I mean, there's no argument. If you were born, no argument. That's why God, Christ came. He came to offer you a new life. Are you following what I'm saying? Let's be on our feet. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Let's lift our voice in intercession and pray for everyone who is bound by that lifestyle. Everyone who is struggling with that lifestyle. Struggling with anything that has to do with homosexuality issues. Whether deliberately, unwillingly, or by demonic influence. I grow shaman grasa shosteken grasila hashta manga sita. Oh, sevelenosha, ha ha ha, lick ratos, kistosa. Lift your voice in intercession, lift your voice on intercession. Pareta halos. I believe that that's what the Holy Ghost wants to do tonight. Librose kefombra desconosia. Brando shite clang resiste gasulo. Oh, Sherenanamasote. Brento seconds of Ekatonza. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Liko Sata Mangapata. Ratonja Kapa Intasa. Lift your voice in intercession. Membro Sokete Gretosinamande. Ibratan Sokete Lika Sata. There's freedom in the name of Jesus. Oh, ha 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 ha. Oh, ha 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 Oh, Let's pray, let's pray.
Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.